Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Am I still seeing you on Saturday as well? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Are you flying on Saturday night? I'm flying tomorrow. Oh, you're doing two days. No, I'm only doing Saturday. I'm just doing... That's not right. No, because we're doing it together. You sure you're not doing Saturday? Because I'm definitely not doing Sunday. Wait, dude, are you sure? Definitely. Are you sure? I'm one hundred percent sure. Saturday or Friday? Uh, this is the tenth, so the twelfth is Saturday. Do you have a different day down? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Dave, do you have any yeah. idea? I would have been literally there the wrong day. <laughs> Please see attached advance sheet for Saturday. <laughs> oh my god! I got to move some stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna just dictate one quick thing. Yeah, do it. Do it. We got lots of time. Hi there, I'm so sorry to do this. I made a huge mistake and I am leaving town tomorrow, period. I thought I was leaving Saturday, that's why I scheduled Pilates, exclamation point. I would love to cancel these sessions and I'll hit you up to reschedule for next week, exclamation point. Thank you so much. All right, what? I'm really glad I did that because yeah. I'm in the 24-hour window. I can cancel this and get, uh, not oh, be great. charged. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, we're just, just you're just in. David Tennant does a podcast with Kristen Ritter. Before you were approached about Jessica Jones, yeah, had you ever opened a comic book? No, <laughs> not at all. No, not of any kind. <sighs> Let me think. If I was there, no, there was never even one. So, what did you what did you think about superheroes? What was your? I guess I just thought. You know, that image in my head of, like, I guess the other, like, Marvel movies mm. that are, like, on billboards in L.A. wasn't really a part of my vocabulary. And I think, so that was, what, 2014? Superheroes are now everywhere. Yeah. Maybe there were then, too, and I didn't notice as much because I'm in it now. Um, I just kind of thought, oh, oh, they want to see me for this superhero thing. I mean, that's obviously not what I look like. I'm not, that's not me, but I'll go because I want to be like in the mix. Mm. I was actually like just available because something else I was doing um, didn't happen. And I was like, yes, I'm back. All right, what can I do? Let's go do some stuff. You know, when you're like attached yeah. to something and kind of benched. So Marvel didn't mean anything to you. It wasn't, no. wasn't part of your childhood. You didn't even watch like Spider-Man cartoons or... Never. Nothing. I watched Days of Our Lives. Okay. And As the World Turns. Right. Like with my mom from the time I was super little. Right. And then after that, I was into like angsty stuff, like my so-called life. I was never exposed to comic books. Mm. I'm from the sticks. I wasn't like, you know, I was the only child. Mm. So there was like no one around to like show me those things. So what was, what, what was your childhood like then? I grew up in a little town until I was 12 called Benton. That was like three streets. Like Park Street, First Street, Second Street, Third Street. Yeah. Across the street, the street was the school. Right. So I could walk to school. Behind the school was a creek. So I would go like quay fishing and like fishing and yeah. like wade in the water and swim. There was a dam we would swim in, ride my bike around, 
It was pretty, like, normal. Very I mean, outdoorsy, though. Very outdoorsy. Very Norman Rockwell. Very, like, normal Americana. Your grandmother lives a couple blocks away. You could run to her house through other people's yards. Mm-hmm. My cousin lived next door. And then when my parents got divorced when I was in sixth grade, I then moved with my mom and her new husband to the sticks. Right. Like, no kids around, nowhere to ride your bike, like the, a farm in the middle of And this is nowhere. Shik-Shinny. This is Shikshinny. I mean, that's an amazing name. I know, right? Yeah. It, it, all, think, and all the jokes and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's the middle of nowhere. Like, the population, I believe, is like 1,100 people. Right. And I only know because I've, like, looked it up in the Wikipedia. Yeah. And I said, I'm listed as being from there. Sure. It's kind of a big deal. I can't imagine there's a lot of alumni. No, nope, that's kind of it. Yeah. So then I moved there, and then there was no kids for me to play with, nowhere to ride my bike, and I had to, like, entertain myself. But there were animals, cows, ah. chickens, things like that. So it was a working farm. Yeah, working farm, a cattle farm. And your mom and her my husband, they were farmers. Yeah. So my stepfather was grew up there, was born there in this house. I think, like, his family had oh, it I see, so you moved to him. We moved right. to him. Yeah, into his farm. Right. And he's a farmer. Okay. It's not like a huge farm. It's nothing like what you see on television. It's not like Food Inc., but um, which when I saw things like that, I was like, what? That's not what this is like. It's literally like 15 to 20 cows in your backyard that all have names and that you feed them a couple times a day. And, and did you get involved as a kid? Yeah, I had chores. And sometimes um, if, they, if they ever went away for the weekend or something, like I had to feed the cows. Oh, right. They, they eat at 5 in the morning and at 5 p.m. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, that has to happen. Um, I had a calf of my own. His name was Jake. And you, we would get our calves um, at livestock auctions. Um, where you bid on them, like yeah. per pound, like the auctioneers are with their fast boys, like yeah. 45 pounds, 40, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I had a calf that we got at auction, and he was brown with a white face. He was um, a Hereford, and he lived in like a little hut, like a dog coop, like a little calf coop yeah. across the street. And like he, he was bottle fed. Yeah. So by had, you. Yeah, bottle fed by me. And that was always a thing. Like the calves love to like drink out of the bottle and they suck your fingers too. You could like right. pet them and then they'll like get your hand and like like a, like a baby with a binky. Yeah. Yeah. So it was unlike anything I see now in Los Angeles. Sure. Uh, I had to entertain myself, a lot of animals. And it was, I mean, it was pretty cool. When you're in school and you're that age, are you, is acting a thing for you at all? No. Not, not even a consideration. Not even a consideration. Right. There was no, um, nothing in entertainment, nothing. Right. Because there's no precedence for it around you. Presumably. No precedence for it. Yeah. You don't but, even know it's a real thing. It's nothing you're exposed to at right. all. There's no programs in the school. This is a tiny school. Sure. What did you think you were going to do with your life then if, if acting wasn't something that you would even consider? Yeah. So I didn't really, I wasn't, wasn't passionate about this, but I did have a have an answer for mm. the question when I was that age. Yeah. Um, my baby sister, who was born with a heart murmur, was always going to the pediatric cardiologist. Uh-huh. So I guess I decided I was going to be a pediatric cardiologist. Oh, it sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds great. Yeah. I don't even think I knew what it meant. <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't really know. And I think that that is a scary place for kids to be when you don't know when there is this pressure. I've seen it now with my sister who's 22 now and kind of still figuring it out. Sure. When you like are at this age when you have to decide if you're going to college or what are you going to do and what do you want to be and choosing a, um, choosing a lane – if you don't know and other kids around you do know, it's, it's hard. Mm. 
I think because I didn't know what I wanted to be, I was kind of always like, oh, I got to do, like, what else? What else? What right. else? Yeah. And, you know, luckily when I was, I was scouted at the mall when I was only 15. Yeah, tell me about that. So you're at a shopping mall. How far away is the shopping mall for like a 45 minutes. Oh, okay. In this little, in this town called Wilkes-Barre. Okay. So I'm so at, that's but the that's the mall. That's right. like where you go to the mall. Okay. Like that's, if you want to go to the grocery store, like it's far. Yeah, sure. So I'm at the mall and elite model management is in town searching for girls. Oh, so it's like a stall in the mall. Uh, I, it, it happened to be. It's not just somebody doesn't just come up and tap you on the shoulder. No, that's go. exactly what happened. Somebody came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. Her so, name was Erin Lundgren. Okay. And she was from Elite Model Management. And I think I was out front of like, I don't know, either Payless or like Deb Shop or something. What did she say to you? She was well. I, I. It was such a weird thing because at this time, like, I was really skinny and really tall, and like there were girls that like the cheerleader type girls that were in whole neck would go around and be like, "Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a model." Like those kind of girls, and so I it hadn't just never. Your mind. Oh God, no! Right. I was like Daria, or you know what I mean. Like I was not that. Right. <laughs> um, I was like kind of goth, and it just wasn't like that. And I had no confidence at all. So when she said that, I think it was shocking. But I was really tall, too. So we would kind of, like, my mom would hear it sometimes. Like, oh, she's so tall and, you know, unique looking. She should be a model. I was like, yeah, whatever. Neither of us thought that. So it was shocking to have, like, an actual agency that I I had, like, heard of from the back of Seventeen magazine and stuff. Um, She was like, oh, um, have you ever thought about modeling or coming to New York? We could do a test shoot um, if you want to, like, come be in this contest. Um, I was like, "Um, okay, sure. So I did. And you're sure it's a real thing or does it feel like a bit creepy or? It was, she was a really nice, like, gentlewoman who didn't feel creepy at all. And it was also a company. picture. Totally. It wasn't that. And that's something that I think people need to watch out for. Sure, yeah. And Elite is... Is again like a big company. Yeah, like so you could the check top out. Of the top. And, yeah. yeah. So so then they brought me to New York and I started doing test shoots and that was when I was fifteen and I started going to New York on my own when I was sixteen. Wow. Yeah. How far? How big a journey is that? That's a three and a half hour bus ride door to door. You know, you yeah, remember on the March trailways, and I, you would go and like if I had to be in the city um, for a job, I would just take like the five a.m. bus. I'd be in, at Port Authority by seven. Do you just take time off school whenever you needed it? Yeah, I okay. miss a lot of school. Right. And did, like, the, did the school mind that? Or? Yes, very much. Okay, it was a real. A it was very difficult. Okay, the teachers had a lot of opinions. They thought it was so stupid. They didn't. They didn't know what I was doing. Right. I had one teacher who like wouldn't even make eye contact with me because she thought what I was doing was so um, so stupid. Stupid because. People because from Shakespeare didn't do that. Or? It's not real. It's not going anywhere. That's not a real job. Like she just did. She just thought it was so like silly. And what did you think? Did you think I'll do it because it's there? Or I really enjoyed it. I loved okay. getting out of my my small town, and then I'd get to the city, and you'd be at these photo shoots with this like spread of food and these like people, and like you'd meet these like really eccentric, flamboyant characters. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa! I, so was I your mom it. worried for you? No, I think they were happy to be rid of me. Right. <laughs> You know, what, you know what I mean? Like, my mom mar- remarried. They had a new baby. I think it's like, right. cool, peace out. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so you, uh, how often would you be going up and down to New York? Well, you're allowed to miss, like, 30 days of school or something. So I missed probably that or more. Right. So after a while, you'd just start saying you had a cold or something? If you, if you yeah, or, or we would turn it into an educational trip. 
Okay. So I would do like a report or do okay. like a presentation on like well, tourist, uh, like the subway system or like, you know. So you weren't scared, the, the whole getting on a bus and two No, I wasn't scared. But when you're young, you don't have that brain development you were to be scared. Right, right. And right. I would also dress ridiculous. Right. Like the summer times, I'd wear like a bandana as a shirt. Right. I look back and I'm like, oh my God. I like basically wear no clothes. Right. Like walking around New York City, going to my go sees. Right. It was fun. So you had no bad experiences. It was all positive. No and... chaperone. No, wow. actually, I, I am fortunate. Like you always hear, well, the modeling world is so tiny that news of it doesn't really get out unless it's bad. Right. Um. So you always hear about like the drugs and the, the eating disorders. Yeah. I was actually just around a bunch of like misfits. We were just like eating White Castle hamburgers and Haagen-Dazs and orange juice, whatever we could afford, and like right. getting furniture off the streets. We were like scrappy like kids. Right. Where were you living? I was either living in a model's apartment in New York, um, and they were kind of all over. There was one on, like, 49th and 1st. There was one on 29th and Park. Like, yeah. you know, you just take the subway. And were you partying? Would you? Yeah, so there were these party promoters that would call the apartments. Like, you wouldn't even know who these people were. Wow. And the phone would ring, like, hello, how are you? We're going to pick you up tonight this in a limo. terrifying. Totally. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, I was like 16, 17 going to clubs in the front of the line, go right in, no IDs checked, table service, dancing. Yeah. Getting drunk. Totally. But not too drunk because the thing is, it's like, that's the thing about not having a chaperone. Mm-hmm. You, can ha- you can have a good brain and, and realize, oh, um, I have to make it to my job tomorrow and like do a good job if I want to like keep this going. Right. I got really savvy really quick. I didn't fuck around. I didn't like... Right. I didn't hurt myself in any way. So you grew up. Yeah, fast. Experience. It makes you grow up really fast. Yeah. Uh, so where does acting show up in all this? So, yeah. So um, I was always like kind of loud and obnoxious. And <laughs> in the modeling world, there would be like some crossover people mm-hmm. in the agencies where they would send you on modeling uh, um, uh, commercials. So that's kind of how I got. Okay. I got we- I weaseled my way into the acting community by doing commercials. Right. And going in there and like. You know, it was a nice break too, because when you're when you're a model, they're just looking at your portfolio and your mm. face. They don't really care if you're funny. Does it encourage you to be narcissistic? How so? Well, because if, if uh, the life as a model is all, a, it's simply about what you look like, isn't it? Yeah, totally. That's why, and I that's why I, I ultimately like was rebellious against it. Like I'd mm. go to these go sees, and they'd be like, "So, where are you from?" Like, who cares? What does it matter? Where are you from? Like, I was yeah. a little badass, obnoxious. Um, but then when I started going to the commercial auditions and they would ask you questions and you could like be funny or okay. have a joke or, like that seemed off the cuff, but you really like prepared it beforehand. Yeah, right. Or like they'll want you to like do dance moves and all the girls would like do their like cool, suave dance moves and I would do something ridiculous. So being funny always felt like the way in for you. Yeah, totally. Felt like your your USP was hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the goofier and more ridiculous I was, it seemed to work. Like right. getting these commercials. Right. And I really loved that. I felt that was like really kind of the first thing. I was like, this is it. Like I can always work harder. I can be better. I could be funnier. I could show up earlier. Like this is something I actually have control over. Right. With acting. Yeah. Versus like whatever. So you else found you were good at auditioning. Yeah, I was really good at auditioning. I really liked it. Now I can't even. Now I hate it so much. Wow. Because you don't have to anymore. 
<laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it because you do it so infrequently that yeah. when you do have to yeah. do it, you're like, oh, last, yeah. stop looking at me. So um, was it, it was an obvious thought. Because well, in, in a commercial, you're doing a bit of acting anyway. Yeah. So yeah. then did, so then did you go and get an acting agent? I got Yeah. Well, so I started working with... Um, the management, the manager in my modeling agency. At this point, I'm with a with an agency called Company, which was cool, like editorial models. Like James King was there, like kind of a cool agency, but they had an acting division. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, f- for those girls who were like becoming actresses, right? So I started working with a manager, and she start, We started getting a lot of commercials, and she was basically like, "You'll start working with this acting coach, Alice Spivak, who's like one of the toughest in New York." Like, I look back and I was like, hmm, she's one of the most abusive people in my life. Um, <laughs> it was a short period of time. Now I have an amazing acting coach. But she was really rough on me. I think it helped me in a lot of ways. But What kind of rough? What do you mean? She's just kind of like, you know those acting coaches that kind of rip you apart? You mean psychologically? She yeah. tries to yeah, strip yeah. you down because that's, totally. that's what's perceived that that's what you need right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not, though. Not necessarily like a good stuff. thing. No. no. Okay. Well, that's a whole other. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a different podcast. So I started working with her kind of until she told my manager if I was ready or not to go out on like acting auditions. Right. So that was humbling and good for me because when I did start going out on auditions, I started getting the callbacks. Okay. So it was kind of like that. And also that same manager was like, look, we were going to go out there. You're going to be fresh. You're going to be good. I don't want to ever hear that you're green. And I don't want people to think that you're a model turned actress. Right. So this is it. I was like, okay. So just, what you mean? She's just literally teaching you how to be an actor? Yeah. Well, I had to go to her class. We did like scene study and okay, I would okay. go to her house and do privates and she would like make me do like monologues from like suburbia. Okay. This is our youth, you know. Uh-huh. And then I just wasn't modeling anymore. She just had me kind of not go on the, the go-sees for the catalogs. So you didn't do didn't modeling do and acting at the same time. You mm-hmm. just stopped. Yeah. You had enough money to kind of. Yeah. Well, and also the commercials were kind of, were paying more than the modeling. I see. Okay. Commercials were kind of what you wanted to book. Commercials, right. like in the beginning, would even pay more than a small movie role because you get little, you get repeat fees you get every time yeah. it was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as someone who likes control, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Was, did you find this new world you were in frustrating that you were waiting on someone else to hire you? Did you? I want guess to I of... didn't see it that way. Okay. because I was coming from modeling where I actually felt like I had no control. I can't control that my nose is pointy, right. or that like I'm skinny but still have a butt like I can't control those things right so it felt empowering to move into acting yeah okay I felt like like an audition for example was like my opportunity oh yeah 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 to like do my thing to take the floor yeah yeah Thank God. Yeah. Because so I, I remember like always hearing like girls that were coming up at the same time like, oh, did you audition for this? Did you hear who got this? Like so oh, I think what they're looking for is this. Like so kind of obsessed with like getting a job or who got the job. And I really, thank God, I don't know why, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like me getting to do my thing. Okay. And it started and either working. that was right or it wasn't right. 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 But I knew, like, I felt like if I could sleep, I would be able to sleep really well at night knowing, like, I worked really hard, I was really prepared, and I nailed it. Right. That was all. That was enough for you, That was enough for me. And you did get some work. And I did get some work. Okay. Because I was goofy and silly and whatever. I would always get that stuff. Right. Like, those were, like, in the bag. (laughs) So what were the first proper acting jobs you did? Well, I had one line in Mona Lisa's Smile, so that doesn't really count, but I did work run a picture on that. Sure. Four months. Oh, job. really? Yeah. For one line? Yeah. 
Did yeah. you have more lines originally that it got cut down to one? I honestly don't even remember if I right. had other lines. Did you, were you already a bit frustrated you didn't have enough to do? I think I was intimidated in the beginning because this okay. is my first time like on a movie set with like Julia Roberts is sitting where yeah. you are. Sure, yeah. So it's just like, oh my the God. The biggest movie star in the world. The biggest movie star yeah. in the world. Yeah. The coolest. And yeah. she's like, said fuck once in a while and was knitting all the time. Like she was awesome and she smelled so good. You could smell her walk in the room. Right. Um, so it was amazing. And then by the end, I was like, okay, I want to like do some stuff. So Breaking Bad came up. Was it already a big show when you got No, that? it wasn't a big show. Okay. I just got so lucky. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. That had seven episodes, I believe. Maybe eight. I think seven. It was before the second oh, season Oh, a little started. mini season because of the writer's strike. Is the that right? Strike. Yes. Yeah. So, and you were in season two? I was in season two. Okay. The best season. Sure. No, this whole show is so good. But it was the best season in terms of like the hype. Yeah. Because like all of a sudden the show Suddenly is huge and Brian Cranston was nominated for an Emmy all of a sudden. Right. It was like, right. hey, congratulations on your Emmy nomination. Right. While you were there. That's yeah. Happening. Right. So you go to New Mexico thing and I've just got a little part in this show. Totally. And while you're there, you realize this is the, the, best the critical ever. darling. Of yeah. The, yeah. And my part was end, would end up being a lot bigger right. than I thought. I don't, right. I think I, I thought maybe I was doing like three episodes. Right. It ended up being like a whole arc for the second season and I came back the next season. It was like a, yeah, it was so good. Was it a happy set? Did you, yes. did it feel like something exciting was being made? Yes. And Brian and Aaron were having a great time mm-hmm. and the crew was really great. It made me want to do television. And, and you... I had been on a, a bunch of shows before. Uh, it had never really felt like that. I see. They were just like, they're doing their dream. Right. They were doing the kind of scenes that you dream of doing mm. and you don't often get. So you're reading the scripts going, oh, no, this is quality. This, this is, is really, this yeah. is a different thing. And you could feel it everywhere. Yeah. The and makeup. There was just like an elevated, there was just like a, a good vibe. Yeah. And so being attached to that show, does that change things? Big time. Big time. Thank the, God. Right. So before Breaking Bad, all my roles were like the funny, ditzy, bubbly. Right. And then that stopped. Okay. And then it's crazy how this works. I'm yeah. sure you know. Yeah. Sure um, oh, I, you were so good in Mary Queen of Scots. I watched oh, that movie twice. <laughs> and so you watched it twice? I did. I, well, I had the screener. And oh, I just yeah. loved it so much. I loved the performances. Oh, great, great. I loved that girl, Saoirse. She's great, isn't she? My God. Yeah. Margot Robbie's amazing, too. Yeah. But she, Saoirse was just like. Mm. And so when you popped up on screen, my sister and I were I'm like, oh, my God, it's DT. And <laughs> yeah. then we're like, is it really? You yeah, look it's, so different. It's mostly a beard. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. It's a beard and a hat. Um. So so after Breaking Bad, then the roles are all like druggies and like cool girl, you know. And you're much happier there, are you? I think so. Yeah, I felt like that was more more to play, more, more up my alley, right? Because I always fancied myself pretty cool, even though I know I, I, I think you were perceived as pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and and then Don't Trust the Bee comes up after, straight after that. Yeah, and that's when things really started to change in my career. That's when like I didn't have to go to that audition. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And you're like, what? Oh, you just got offered that part? Yeah. Oh, nice. And that same season, there were a couple. Right, right. There were like a couple, like different ones. It was crazy. So suddenly you're thinking, okay, this is it. I've arrived. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean I don't have to go to the pre-read and the producer says you have the test (laughs) and the test callback? Yeah. Um, So that was awesome. And I, I really loved the script for Don't Trust the Bee and I loved the creator and I was, you know... So I couldn't, I was like, it's so good. There's no way this is going to get picked up. And then it did. We did two years. And a delicious part. A delicious part. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but do you, 
at that point, do you start to lose your anonymity? Do people start to recognize you in the street? And yeah, or did Breaking bit. Bad? Do Breaking that? Bad did that. Okay. Yeah. How does that feel? How do you cope with that? I feel like I. Then I think it was fun. I'm so grateful for the job I have and for the sure. life I have, and like sure. I love my job. I love to, that I get to do it. The internet is here now. Yeah, that is different. That makes it a little bit harder. It's a weird thing though when you lose that anonymity for the first time. You always f- imagine it'll be quite empowering when nobody knew who the hell I was. You'd see a famous person walk into a room, and the room would sort of ripple. You kind of think, well, it, it feels like that's a powerful thing. When you're the person walking into the room and people are whispering about you behind their hands, it, it's actually rather intimidating. In yeah, another. yeah. Did you find that? Did you suddenly did it feel a bit scary? Yeah, I think that before I started being recognized, I would be like on the loud. Right. I was like a butterfly, like social butterfly, kind of loud. I'd be on the subway and like being silly. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's made me smaller. Okay. It's made me like want to hide more. Right. It's made me like, oh, don't look at me. Yeah. It's given me bad posture. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because it's a lot of pressure and it's sometimes yeah. like every, just sometimes, it's just, it's, it's weird. Mm. It's definitely not something that, there's no textbook that gets you ready for something like that. No, quite. It depends on like what the day is doing. Mm. I guess if like I'm like feeling like a rock star that day and I go to like get a cupcake and somebody recognizes me, I'm like, yeah, woohoo. Mm. Um, if maybe something isn't great that's going on for me that day, the last thing you want to be is seen by anybody. Yeah. Let alone like strangers. Did you develop your own rules of engagement for that? How to be, how to... I think I, I, think I, I do less things uh, um, publicly. I think I go out less. Does that feel like a, a compromise worth making though? Uh, or, or Yeah, well, I guess like as I, I think like even though like I'm, you know an actor and whatever performer in, in the business I'm still in, I still recharge like an introvert okay so I have to like have a lot of alone time mm-hmm. and sometimes like I think I would go out into the world by myself and like do my own thing headphones whatever and if people then know you and see you I can't recharge in the same way okay so right. I stay yeah. home more to kind of like take care of myself yeah, it just depends. It's definitely weird. I've, I'll, I mean, I think it's got to be weird for everybody when people so people come up to you and they're like, hey, Kristen Ritter. You're mm. like, hey. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's got, you know, it's cool too. Yeah. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So when did you first hear about Jessica Jones? I first heard about Jessica Jones um, when they wanted me to come in and read for it. This would have been in October of 2014. Okay. A long time ago. So a script just arrives and they say come in. Not even a script. Oh. It was a a scene. Maybe three scenes maximum. A couple of pages. Okay. The character's name on the page was Julia. Okay. I didn't know anything until I was in the mix. I didn't I even see. know I was in the mix because, like, they didn't tell me for so much for, for so long. I thought I was going to be doing this other job, and you get this call 
when good things happen in our business, you know, you get a call from like 10 people on the phone. You sure. I was like, ooh, what's this? And when this... bad things happen, nobody calls. Right. Or like one person calls because yeah. they've been anointed like, oh, you're the one. Like, yeah. break the news. So I got a call with like a bunch of people on. I'm like, ooh, that other job is so obviously happening. And they're like, so that other job's not happening. But you're in the mix for Jessica Jones, that thing you auditioned for forever ago. That you didn't even know. Didn't even remember or right. think of. So um, that happened. I ended up t- going through the testing process for that. Okay, and then you get to read a script, and then I got to read. A, I got to read a script before I decided I would test. I got okay. to read the first two scripts, and they were so fantastic. Sure, the pilot for Jessica Jones was the best pilot I ever read. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is the good stuff. This is the stuff you want to go fight for. So I'm going to go fight to get this part. At that point, do you go and seek out a comic book or not? I got all the comic books at that point. I got the first one at that point. Okay, for the test, uh-huh. because I wanted to like. No more, like mm. building her. I want. I wasn't gonna like, you know, read everything at that point because it was just a test. Yeah. But then once I got the part, it was like, give me everything that she's ever yeah. appeared in. So what was that audition? The, you, the, it was a, a full on screen test with other actors. With and... Mike Coulter, actually. With Mike Coulter, yeah. Luke Cage, right? Yeah. yeah. It was it was me, and then they had me read with him. But as he well. was still. So he was testing for Luke Cage at the same time. Correct, because okay. he was going to be in Jessica Jones. They of course. They yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course, because you got cast in Jessica Jones knowing that Luke Cage was down the line. Yep, and that Defenders was down the line for of all course. of us. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So did that feel like a big deal, that screen test? Yeah, Were I you, did. Do you get nervous in a moment like that? or Totally. I totally oh, really? get, I get crippled by nerves. Do you? Crippled by nerves for everything. But no one knows because I'm, st- I, can, I like shove it down deep. Okay. And like put the, so to the, put outer the funny world, on top. You're cool as a cucumber. Yes. Which is good and bad because sure. sometimes I'll be like, oh, I feel really nervous for this. And be like, no, 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 you're fine. You always nail it and like invalidate my feelings and kind of mm. make me feel worse. And then I'm like, oh, I, I can't even tell you that how many times I've been like on a talk show thinking in my head, I'm going to have to tell. Whoever it is, David Letterman, Conan, right now that I'm going to faint and I need to leave. Right. In my head, as we're doing our banter, like, I'm going to be sick right now. I need to tell him. Uh-huh. And I get through it somehow and then nobody yeah. ever believes me. Yeah. yeah. But but talk shows, press, big auditions like that, dying inside. Okay. Anyway, you got Jessica Jones. Did I you did. Did, did you think this is the role? This is... I did. I really did. And... I, then I started to audition, and I thought that the part was mine because of my connection with Melissa Rosenberg and kind of how she talked to me. But then when I would talk to Jeff Loeb, who you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't like me. This is not <laughs> gonna me. He's not going to give me this part in a million years. So then it made me scared. Um, do you know what it – did it come down to sort of three axes, or do you know what, what the process was? Who knows? Melissa says – There was only ever you. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I do know that they had made an offer – a couple months before I came in, before they started the audition process. Oh, you do? Do you yeah. know who they made it to? Um, yeah, I don't know if I should say. No, probably not. Yeah. Tell me after. I'll tell you after. Yeah. And it would have been a very different show. Right. Very different show. Right. Probably not funny. Okay. Because we have some good comedy, I think, in the show. Yeah. But the, yeah, that audition process was was long and scary. And when I read the scripts, I felt like I can. this part is mine. Okay. I was like, this is something I'm going to be able to do. With hard work, uh-huh. I didn't think I could do it in my sleep. Right. I was like, this is something that I can do, and I would love for people to see me do it well. Yeah. Well, it did feel like it fitted you from the moment you walked on set. But did you feel like you, there was quite a process to get to that yeah. point? Oh, right. yes. I remember and then after I got the part and just being terrified, like, oh, this isn't right. I'm never, 
I ha- because I, and I had to do like so much physical training and like Melissa really wanted me to like get 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 bigger, right? And then so that was that I, that I felt a lot of pressure in that too. Like oh, yeah. they're gonna think I'm too like wispy or too thin. So you started doing mm-hmm. like. Uh, a lot of martial arts training stuff like that yeah boxing it? weight a lot of heavyweights like i did no cardio because they wanted me to gain weight right um and a lot of lifting but you didn't really gain weight did you i did i gained 10 pounds did you really season yeah right. i didn't know that yeah she was like she that's melissa's thing you know she has like really specific things that she like really gets fixated on and that was one her she just has issues with like she sees these like pretty like you know, girls with their skinny arms and they fight scenes and she doesn't uh-huh. think that they could really do anything and she right. hates that. Right. So I was like, oh my God, her bo- that was always in my head. Right. Yeah. So how much, how hard were you training in the run-up to... Every day. Right. Every day. And then like eating a lot of eggs, like hard-boiled eggs and like all yeah. those things. It was brutal. Pretty gruesome. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. But it was fun too. I was really happy I did it. It helped me have the confidence to to be her. Okay. Right. And then you're reading all the comic books and you're sort of steeping yourself in the whole kind of lore of it. Yeah, and I spent a lot of time by myself and like trying to find where her voice would live and try to figure out how she stands, how she walks. Like I was just trying to, and I would like be in my apartment by myself and like lean on a wall. Like like how would Jessica lean on this wall? And I just would spend so much time, like full immersion into figuring out how I was going to do this. Yeah. And of course, season one manages to be a superhero show, of course, but it's also a show... It, about sexual assault and consent and these themes that were at that time just beginning to yeah. become incredibly relevant and timely. Were you entirely aware at the early stages that that's the story you were telling? Because I don't know that I don't think I was. I wasn't either. I had no idea what we were doing was like that important. Yeah. Do, I knew that I loved a lot of Melissa's choices. Mm. I hate like sexually objectified female leads. I hate when, like, women are, like, like if they would have put me in, like, skin-tight jeans and high heels, all of those things. Like, she made really clear choices. Like, she hates the word bitch, so we don't use it. I think we used the word bitch one time. She didn't show the act of rape. Mm -hmm. She hates that. She doesn't want to, like, glorify that or make it gratuitous or make it sexy in any way. She just doesn't show it. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated those choices that she made. I felt like the show felt felt really cool to me in mm. that way. It felt like kind of up my alley in terms of the aesthetic. And it felt different. I felt different. I didn't feel like how you're s- supposed to look as the lead of a show. Right. And I was allowed to do that. Like the costume, which, you know, like we had this woman who started the show. Her name was Jenny Rogan, And she did a great job like pulling those pieces for me. But that was like a costume that I fought for. Right. I wanted to wear a boxy jacket and I didn't want to wear like I wore like jeans that were like boyfriend fitting. Um, I didn't want to show my figure. I wanted to like hide. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wanted to like have a look that she could walk down the street and a guy's never going to say like, oh, you look hot. And a girl isn't going to either. No mm-hmm. girl's going to be like, oh, cute outfit. Like, I just wanted to like be like disappear, but like have like this armor too. Mm-hmm. And. And I love that they let me do that. Mm-hmm. So I felt like the show was interesting and new and cool. And we were seeing a seeing a lead in a way that we hadn't really seen before, especially in that genre. Um, there was no focus on being beautiful and glamorous. I just loved a lot of the things that she was doing. But I had no idea that it was going to 
have the social impact. Mm. You never, you know, half the time you don't even think people are going to see it. Half well, the time you don't think it's going to come out. Yeah. Let alone like. And also, you know, on one level, it's a Marvel show about superheroes, but yeah. of course, it, 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 I think that's, I think the reason why the show worked is because that's actually secondary to the psychology of the character. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, like, I wouldn't even play. I would never. I would never once. Never in the four years of playing this character, I've never once thought like, "Oh, I'm a superhero." No, but then Jessica doesn't. I guess, which no. again is another reason why I think it, it, it. It's it's so unique within that kind of genre. Isn't yeah, it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I remember the very first, I think it was the first day we were on set together yeah. um, on a freezing cold New York Oh, the Spire street. Escape. Yeah, yeah. But it, it wasn't, it was just before we went up to that, I think, and you were, uh, you had like a book of scripts and you'd obviously, because you, you, you were like in week one or something. Yeah. And you had all these, you, your script was covered in notations. Yeah. And, and you were sort of saying, I don't know how to do, because the script amendments are coming in new pages and the yellow pages and I don't know how to move all my, and you were sort of saying to me, you've, you've done a series, how do I keep on top and I remember rather cynically thinking, oh, man, a month into it, you're not going to care about your notations. <laughs> You'll just be living moment to moment. Did, yeah. it, did it sort of, did, did, I mean, I think it's fair to say that becomes the case, doesn't it? In that yeah. sort of yeah. schedule. Did that take you by surprise, like in a relentlessness that suddenly it's your show, you're in everything. 80% of the scenes, 90% of the scenes, yeah. long hours, long days, freezing your ass off. Yeah. Did that feel... Did you suddenly go, I've got this show, be careful what you wish for, because, man, this is hard. It is. It was really hard. Yeah. Um, it was a really hard, and, you know, it's still hard. Not, nothing will ever be as hard as the first season. Uh-huh. Because when you go into the second, you have, like, that, all that groundwork is done, and you can, like, grow from there. It's it's definitely um, it's definitely a hard thing, and what I thought was going to work in the beginning, like, my 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 script notes, mm. that's, like, a process I've always done. Sure. That had to adapt mm. and change. Um, and then I think with time, you also find a confidence and an understanding of the character. Yeah. By four years in, I mean, now some of the stuff you're talking about, whereas in the beginning you have to go create those memories and yeah. as if things for yourself, by four years, you've actually lived those things. Mm. Oh, and there's no part of me yeah. going, oh, silly, silly Kristen doing all these notes on a script. I think that's a process, particularly the start. Sure. It's really valuable and really gets you to somewhere. But then it's just, then it's by episode four, you're just going, what's tomorrow? hundred yeah. percent. And I would then, so how my, my process adapted, what I would do is I, I've coached on all my scripts um, or at least on like the, maybe like 10 out of 13 or all of them or 10 out of 13, pretty close to all of them. I'll coach on them, do my first pass of notes on the first draft, and then kind of leave it. And then as the new pages come in, the work is kind of already in your brain. Mm -hmm. You trust the yeah, magic yeah. that yeah. you've done the work and it's there. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, I'd have all my notes on my all my pages, and then like a new a new revision would come, and I'd have to hand write then onto the new pages. <laughs> and it's like sweeping the ocean with a broom because yeah. you get a new page <laughs> yeah. every day, and yeah. it's not something you can keep up with. And I was absolutely drowning. So now what I do also, um, and I directed an episode this season, which the same thing happens. Because a lot of people are using this new script, are using scriptation on the oh, yeah, iPad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm just like old school. I love yeah. to be able to like write things out by hand. O oftentimes that's how I remember my lines. Uh -huh. I write them out. Once they're there. Right. Forever. Yeah, you're quick, aren't you? I'm good at that. I have yeah. a good memory. I'm really, you're quick too. You can just pick it up. I feel like I would. I have to work harder at it, though. I, I feel like you'd come in some days and just look at it and know it. Yeah. 
A lot of times, you're also, younger than me. That's what it is. Well, a lot of times too is because I do that first pass, like on the whole script. Like uh-huh. the first pass of notes, go through it, go through it, and then put it aside. And then, you know, if I put it in the brain already, I can pick it up. Yeah, yeah, it filters in. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of kind of how I roll, and and I think that it's like a muscle too. Playing a role like Jessica Jones when you're in everything, you get you get stronger, just mm. like a bicep. You know mm. what I mean? The more you lift, yeah. the stronger it gets. And then the show is done, and it and yeah. you're, you're promoting it around the world yeah. relentlessly. Were you ready for the the debates about sexual politics that? You know, we we would do interviews and we were being asked about all that stuff. And and were you ready for that? Were you nervous about the sensitivity of talking about? Yeah, I think especially I, I'm always nervous to say anything because if something is taken out of context, mm. you don't say exactly the right thing. And the next thing you know, that's like a headline. And you're like, what? I didn't. Mm. So it is. It's hard to be sensitive about sensitive stuff. Yeah, of course. Um. But I, I was also so happy to be a part of a, of a show that is even inspiring conversations like that. Sure. It's so often that you just did something doesn't you want your work to be seen and be, you, you want to like reach people. And I felt like Jessica Jones like actually reached people in a meaningful way in their mm. lives. Um, so that was like, whoa, this is more than just like me getting this cool role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but is that a pressure you always felt able like if people because people did get very moved often by the show and but and very invested in that character and people would come up to you and you know, I get this playing the playing yeah. the bad guy so uh, as the person who embodied that sort of struggle and that fight people uh, would come up and and be quite yeah. emotional talking to you about it and quite sort of did you feel how did you cope with that what was the, I mean, sometimes it brings me to tears. Mm. It's because you hear people saying, like, they had their own kill grave. And you're like, yeah. <gasps> yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a lot of emotion. And you just I you just like hug them or something. It's, yeah. it's a it's an interesting uh, position to be in because I'm obviously not an expert. And I play this character and I just want to s- say, like, thank you for I don't know. I, mm. I It's. People feel so represented by Jessica. Yeah. People love people, people love, love her. the yeah. show, and yeah. they love Jessica. And you, you've been to Comic Con. We've been to Comic Con together, and yeah. you, you know you that it's a it's a different type of enthusiasm, isn't it? That, yeah, that a character like this generates. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. People are excited by Jessica, I think, because she's a survivor and she's strong. She doesn't look like what we're used to seeing, and I think like a lot of girls, especially who also don't look like what they're used to seeing. And, like, they get like, yeah, mm. I could be the lead of a story, too. Yeah. I'm important, too. Do you think people are surprised to find that, that hard-ass Jessica Jones is such a keen knitter? Yeah. It's not the most obviously rock and roll thing. No. Nope. But you've always done it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I did it. I've always done it, but I really I got crazy after we did season one. Right. I think as a way to oh, like... You, oh, I see. Like a relaxation or an hour? Yeah, or, both. I think it was like, you know, they say like an hour a day keeps the psychiatrist away. An hour of knitting a day? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it's really good for you. Really good for your brain. Okay. So I think like that helped me. And also in a, in a totally different side, I have like an addiction to accomplishments. Interesting. And that really helps that. 
Right. Sure. <laughs> I can't write a novel every month. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. But you can churn yeah, out a hat. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That gives me that same, like, that same drug feeling. <laughs> it, and interestingly, maybe on the same theme of that, you've sort of, you've you've turned it into a bit of a professional accomplishment too. Always you? a scheme to make a buck. Like Always I a said. scheme to make a buck. Yeah. yeah. You're still hustling because now hustling. we can buy Kristen Ritter knitting patterns. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something, did you just feel the need to I just take it to another it. level or yeah. you just... I loved it and yes, both. It's fun. It's a fun side project for me. Yeah. I loved it. I, I design all the kits myself. Right, right. And I think I have like, I don't know, a lot at this point. Uh-huh. Like, like, uh, like 15? Yeah. I don't know, a lot. Um, I love doing it. I love like, sh- stupid as it sounds, like sharing the gift of knitting. <laughs> Um, I love to make things for other people and give it to them. Uh-huh. It brings such joy. Uh-huh. I can't tell you people I've like given them something and like tear up. I like bet people you do. love it. Yeah, of course. Um, I also enjoy it so much. Like yeah. it gets you off your dumb phone. It's so fun. You yeah. feel such a sense of accplishment making something with your hands. And but it's not enough for you to just do it in secret. You want to, you're sharing I, I it with the world. I want to share it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. I love it. And I um yeah, it was like a cool opportunity for me to like you know, little side hustles. Yeah, but you've got a lot of side hustles, don't you? Because it, it's not just the acting. You're also yeah. developing. You're always developing ideas. You're producing yeah. on things. You're. Yeah. Is the acting not enough for you? Or what, I, what is I that guess about? I like to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, And probably, especially since I've been doing Jessica, the, the same character for so many years now, mm. it's like ways for me to check off boxes. Right. Ways for me to get like my fulfillment in other ways. So and you like being in control. And I do. I really and I also feel like I've learned so much and I love have I love I love leaning in and uh-huh. contributing to the conversation and I lo- I you know I love sharing ideas. I love collaborating with other people. Um I'm no wallflower. So will you, do you do you talk to uh, Melissa about scripts as they come in and All the time. you and you'll Endlessly. Do you take a pass on them or Always. Right. Yeah. We work we're very collaborative that uh-huh. way. Um and they let me direct this year too, so yeah. that in the beginning of the season, because I, I was already doing it from the back seat. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so was that everything you hoped it would be directing? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Do you want to do more of that? Yeah, I right. loved it, and the crew rallied for me so much. It was it was just so exciting. Um, there was great energy. It was like a party. Right. Um, I think my second day of filming. I beat the number of two camera setups from any director and are in the Marvel universe at that point. Wow. And, and out of the four nice. shows, Daredevil. Yeah. I had 67 two camera setups in one day. That is fast. That is fast. But it was stun- it was stunts. Okay. It was right. like, a, it was an action sequence. Right. My second day of filming. Wow. <laughs> my second day and my first AD went down with heat stroke. So no. we have our storyboards and I can't find them. I'm like, all right, I got my storyboards. Was it Wex? It was Wex. Oh man, but he's like a tank. He doesn't go down. He went down with heat stroke. Wow. And by the way, he's the one in the morning who did like the safety meeting because it was so hot that day and we're outside. He does the safety meeting on like what to look out for with heat stroke. Yeah. (laughs) Like sure enough. We're like we're like, Wex, um, you're having all of those things that you said to look out for. And then he was gone. Wow. Yeah. But then again, that for you that's like, okay, I've got to deal with this, I'll step up and I'll do it. Totally. Yeah. After season one of Jessica Jones. Seemingly out of the blue, you've written a novel. Yeah. I mean, where, when did you start writing it? <laughs> Around then. I mean, it took years to write it. 
And it was so much work. I'm never going to never going to downplay that. Ridiculous amount of work. Right. I still kind of can't believe I did it. So it had been bubbling for a long time. It had, the idea had right. been bubbling for a long time. Okay. Because I just felt like, because you'd never mentioned it, and suddenly you went, oh yeah, I wrote a novel. It felt like you'd just turned it around in a week. <laughs> no, no, no. It was an idea that I had been developing as a pilot. Um, oh, I see. That couldn't, that wasn't really getting um, a lot of interest from my agency. It was, but just not enough that they thought I could sell it. Right. So I was like, oh. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I got this. So Jessica Jones is a part that, it takes a lot of boxes. You know, it's lead roles, complex. It's She's powerful and vulnerable. She's idiosyncratic. She's It's your own show. It's on a big, important network. Do you worry that whatever happens next will feel inferior? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the the thing is to just try to do something very different. Mm-hmm. Um. That's what I wanted to do after Don't Trust the Bee. Honestly, yeah, so who knows? After Don't Trust the Bee, I thought I would never find a part as good right. as that. I thought I would never – anything after that would be inferior. Mm-hmm. And that ended up not being the case. So I don't think um, – so I don't know. I don't know. Do you enjoy the uncertainty at all? Is there a, is there a thrill in that or would you rather have the control and know what was coming? So a little in between because I do all these other things. Mm. I actually like having a little bit of time to have to be free and come up with other ideas. Right. I like to have time for myself to take care of myself. Um, so it's somewhere in between the two. Would you ever end up on back on a farm? Do you think? I mean, is is there a sort of quiet life? That I you... think there's something in there. Yeah. 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 A way to like split that up. Mm-hmm. I do love nature. Honestly, I would love to have – this is so ridiculous. I'd love to have my own sheep so I can right. shear them and knit the wool into sweaters. Sure. What a dream. Yeah, it's like a cottage industry. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, I have no doubt you'll be doing extraordinary things wherever they may be. Kristen, thank you for being here today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> what a fun podcast. Yeah, that's it. David Tennant does a podcast with is a Something Else and No Mystery production. Produced by James Deacon and edited by Sean O'Daly. Additional production from Chris Skinner, Steve Ackerman, Sarah Camlett, Josh Gibbs, Dave King, Jake Valentine, Joel Freeman, Magda Saron and Georgia Tennant. Next time. I've never been more sure of an idea ever. Really? And what I didn't know is that no one would want to do it. <laughs> what I didn't know is that we would ask every single recording artist on the planet and they would all say no. Also from something else. Out to lunch with Jay Rayner. Join Britain's biggest food critic for juicy conversations over lunch with top names in music, film, TV and comedy. Guests include Dermot O'Leary, Grayson Perry, Ashling B, and Jamie Cullum. There was this girl I was dating at the time who um, it wasn't going so well with, and we'd kind of broken up, and she managed to turn up at the second set and, shall we say, had had a lot to drink. Did she heckle you? "Mm, If heckling involves trying to take my shirt off whilst I'm singing... Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps.